What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 134 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. This episode is brought to you by Blue Wire. I am your host, Lucas Agan. Joining me, as always, is Ryan Smith, fresh off a fairly busy weekend. I think it's fair to say, Ryan, I know you've got some stories to tell later, but how was your weekend? My body <laughs> it is hurting. <laughs> so it, no, it was it was awesome. Uh, Saturday went down to Evo. Uh, absolutely fantastic time. Great being able to get back out there, being around the community members in the fighting game community. It's a fantastic bunch, by the way. Tons of cosplayers, people just meeting and greeting and hanging out, and it, it, I mean it, it was awesome. Great matches uh great times I, I am excited we I, I sat down with uh ryu and 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 junior from uh, uh arc system works so they're the folks that do uh, guilty gear strive so we'll we'll have some news about that i i got to catch up with our friend beloved of uh kaizen creed uh mm-hmm. they're the folks that are working on five forest fighter so I snuck in a quick interview with him but it was awesome getting to see him and actually meet him in person so overall it was it was really good the the matches were great again big ups to uh rick dyer and and their team over there you guys put on a fantastic convention slash tournament i know that at one point in time um there were folks that were there was complaints about uh at the ads and the frequency and amount of ads that were happening on the live streams rick literally directly addressed it and said look we're we're going in we're working it we're we're gonna get this fixed uh and they did just that so you know there's always going to be bumps in the roads but regardless overall it was super successful so congratulations to the team over there it was absolutely fantastic uh what about you my friend how was your weekend brother Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, obviously, I was not out there. Just had a cough, and I didn't really feel comfortable walking yeah. around a convention and coughing. <laughs> I don't need, I don't need the stairs. That's for yeah. sure. Who's um, this guy? <laughs> <laughs> but no, honestly, it was uh, just kind of following the action. Uh, it was nice to see so many local people out there. Whether it was Inferno, uh, Storm Rush, uh, you know, just just a bunch of local complete gamer. Uh, who yep. who really kind of help beloved there kind of get set up. Uh, so nice to see so many local people. Nice to see uh so many past guests out there too, like Cuddlecore yeah. and everybody. Uh, clearly, clearly there was some pent up demand. I would say <laughs> I think that's a fair uh statement. And uh, like like we keep talking about just another event this year. Uh, that that kind of is cementing Vegas as as a hotspot, and and it's not stopping yeah. there. Uh, but yeah, great event. Looks like it was well run. Uh, I thought Rick's response, especially to the the ad frequency, was great. I mean, how many conventions do you see people come in mid convention go? Look, right. we're trying to figure it out. Uh, so, right. you know, hats off to them to being on the ball, to listening to the community, and being willing to try and take action uh, during a, a very hectic time period for everybody. So that that was super awesome to see. Yeah, absolutely. It was. So, I mean, I, I think we'd be remiss if we did not get into some of the news because they had some big announcements, some big drops. I, I love this, too, because, number one, this is the biggest fighting game tournament in the world. You've got people from all around the world out here in Las Vegas participating at the convention, participating in the tournament. And what better way? to drop some big fighting game news than at the big you know on the biggest stage so let's start out i wanted to start out real quick and this was part partly what i spoke with with ryu and and junior uh, about guilty girl guilty gear strive their season two uh is just dropping i believe today as of this recording so they've basically announced that there's going to be four new characters uh the first one being bridget is coming into the mix here um you have from them and and we're going to be you know the interview with Ryu and Junior uh we are going to be putting out there uh later this week um mm-hmm. however just speaking with them uh you know they 
really put an emphasis on just kind of building off of what they have from season one and what they've done, what people are enjoying about this. They also announced that they've sold their one millionth copy uh, worldwide as well. So clearly this has a, a, a good size base and people that are playing. So the fact that they're still supporting, they're bringing new characters. And this is only season two. So we know the longevity of fighting games. They've got a pretty big, they've got a good size shelf life because they'll yep. continue supporting them. So that is huge. They also announced that they are going to be dropping and lowering the base price. I believe it was, I want to say it's $24.99. And then you can add on the seasonal pass things. I I believe that there's a bundle as well with all the season one pass stuff and the base game uh, that is then cheaper as well. Uh, overall, though, great, great uh, announcements in terms of that game. I know that they, you know, that's another one that that I haven't had a chance to get my hands on Guilty Gear Strive or played at all. But I've had I've heard great things and and people just talking about it and and how much they enjoy it. Uh, another one, which this one's this one's was I I, I don't know. This is weird. This is a weird one to tech in. So <laughs> there's speculation going around and based off the trailer that they played, remember these played live uh, at the event as well. So people are getting these news drops um, as they were, as they were coming through, but we know that Tekken seven has been around. I mean, that's been, it's going on. I want to say four or five years uh, it's been out there, but they've announced that they're bringing back uh, their tournament. Uh, I believe it's supposed to be happening and taking place in February, early February of 2023. So it's good to see them going in uh, and doing their own stuff. Obviously Tekken has a huge um, following as well. I mean, that was one of the OG games I remember playing uh, was Tekken and having the Tekkens and stuff like that. I can't even, I haven't played them in forever though. I would absolutely, Absolutely get worth. I'm pretty sure. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm afraid to get into the in, into the fighting games, dude. Because people get so good. That's you know. That's why I don't play battle royales either. People get so good so fast. I'm just like, what's the point? What's the point of even playing? <laughs> I I totally agree. You need you need a bunch of bad people to learn with. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the scrub club at? Come on now. <laughs> so it is February 4th and 5th. This is going to be in Amsterdam. Is where the tournament's taking place. Now the interesting part. About this whole deal, the, the, uh, a part of this announcement, it, it comes towards the end of uh, of the the end of this. Uh, we get a clip of um, um, I'm, I'm Jin carrying uh, his dad to this cliff. And it's the old school graphics. He drops it. This is from I'm not sure if this is the first one or the second one. Um, and then it cuts over to a newer version of uh of gin so some people are speculating that that might be a tease to them making tekken 8 or possibly them taking one two or three and remaking them which i think is really interesting and that i don't want to remake i i feel like a remake at this point you know you're you're you have tekken 7 out there it's been out there for for a decent amount of time. I don't think it's a remake. I think that might be a tease for Tekken Eight. What are your thoughts, dude? Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, it's weird in today's world that you would get a tease like that and then have them not <laughs> have the title or pay off with it. Um, right. So, so I'm still debating whether I think that's a genius move or a confusing one. <laughs> uh, my my guess would be Tekken Eight, right? I. I I would hope it's gotta be you'd think you'd think given that you you see like like street fighter six is on the horizon there uh that you would Mm -hmm. want to to have a title to to keep pushing the envelope uh but having that cutscene playing does make me curious uh that uh it's just curious to me right i hope it's tekken 8 though like i would rather see them kind of push forward in new directions uh and and uh keep pushing things rather than a remake i'm i'm in the same boat as you though yeah and i can't imagine that the community would be thrilled about that especially if you know your focus is on tekken as a professional uh player you're not wanting a remake or may, I, I don't know. I would love to, I guess being from the outside looking in, I would, I personally 
would rather have a newer game than going back to an older one because then you're not really getting anything new in terms of the competitive scene unless they go back. Because I, I don't know that they would use a remake and then try to build tournaments and stuff like that off of that. I, I mean, I suppose you could. But, I mean, for me, I would want something new to continue moving forward, especially with all these announcements of of games and that, that have been announced. It's like, look, let's move forward. Let's not. I feel like that would be a step backwards. And, again, what are you really gaining from that? New and better graphics? Maybe maybe some some something different uh, within what you're doing? I don't feel like the gain and the reward is there. It would make more sense for them to move forward. So hopefully that's what that tease is. I'm sure that we're going to be getting more information um, in, in the coming weeks and months um, especially with the fact that this is happening, this uh, uh, their event, the World uh, Tour, is mm-hmm. going to be happening in early February of next year. So I imagine here within the next couple months, we'll get a more concrete answer, possibly, right. about what that was all about and what that means. Uh, so we shall see. Um, moving on, Street Fighter, speaking of Street Fighter Six, they've announced two new characters, uh, well, not really new. Jury Jury has been in the, the game before. However, Kimberly is a completely new character that mm-hmm. they're bringing to the table. This game looks sweet, dude. And I got to say, I, I chilled by the boots a little bit and I saw people playing the game. Dude, it looks so crisp. I want to play it. I'm not going to lie. I might have to pick this up. Like, I'm not, you know, it just looked, I mean, look at the colors. Look at it. looks smooth. Um yeah, I mean, this looks good. Dude. Like, this is what I'm talking about when you're going from from one one iteration of the game to the next. You know, I feel like they really have built in some of the things that people have liked from Street Fighter Five. And don't get me wrong, Street Fighter Five has had its issues as well. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, they've learned from those mistakes uh, and they come in hot with uh, Street Fighter Six and everything they're doing. Plus. I think I believe if if I'm understanding correctly, I believe there is a campaign mode as well where you can create your own character and stuff like that, which I think is absolutely brilliant if that is correct, because then you're able to at least bring in some people maybe that wouldn't have played the game if it was just PVP. Give me some of that PVE element, you know, give me something to where I don't have to go online and play against somebody or sit there and practice because I'm not going to be playing the game competitively. You know, I'm just going to be playing it for fun and and messing around. And if you give me a story mode too, like I am all about that. I, I like this has really caught my interest in a game and I don't really go out of my way to get fighting games, but Ah, man, I might have to I might have to scoop this up, dude. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it looks really good. Uh, I think the the character drops was a solid punch there of, of having a fan favorite and an entirely new character. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, Kimberly is is intriguing to me, just kind of more of the the ninja style, I guess if you want to call it. Um, right. So, you know, Street Fighter has always been uh, one of the the preeminent series. Um, it's my girlfriend's fighting game of choice, so I'm sure we'll get it anyway. Nice. I'll have to to, <laughs> to train and not get destroyed every time. <laughs> but no, no, honestly, I love the the art style of it. Uh, you know that it's always going to have a gigantic community because it is so popular, and so yeah. many people uh, have such a history with this series. Uh, and it's been a while since uh, we had a new entry, so it, it's it's. It feels like the right time. Uh, it feels like this could be really exciting, and hopefully, they did learn from some of the launch issues they had last time with Street Fighter Five. And mm-hmm. uh, assuming that those have all been worked out, uh, I think this looks amazing. Uh, on- honestly, my issue is like I feel like I can only choose one or two of these games because I, don- I just mm-hmm. don't think I have the time to really get competent in more than a couple of these, and it's hard. Right. It's hard to choose. There's so many good ones. Yeah, there really are. I mean, it's it's crazy just how many and I didn't realize I always forget about it, too, because I feel like the fighting game community is kind of kind of forgotten about at times, you know, but they're always going. They're always right. And I've seen it. My brother, my brother grinded super hard on Street Fighter five to where he was trying to play competitively. He was going out and, and getting into tournaments. But, dude, that he was training 
every single day. And it's just like, dude, I don't have the time to get that good. That's how they get so good. People just play it every day and they train and practice. It's like, just like anything else, you train, you practice, you, you up your skills and mm-hmm. you learn. So it, 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 it's the exact same way with these fighting games. Um, here's another old school entry though, that we're getting that I didn't, I didn't realize that they were, and I guess I kind of knew, but um, the King of Fighters has uh, actually announced that they are in development for the King of Fighters 6. So this is another old school, like one of the, like, you know, yeah, Street Fighter, yeah, Fatal Fury. Um, I'm sorry, I said King of Fighters, didn't I? You did. It's Fatal Fury. It's Fatal Fury 6. I'm sorry, not King of Fighters. King of Fighters is out right now, but they're, they are doing a new Fatal Fury and if you, I mean, the King of Fighters and Fatal Fury, both of them were some of those old school fighting games that we had that we played. You know, you were out in the arcade playing them. That's the only time you did. They weren't on anything. And, and mind you, too, I lived in Japan, so there I had access to to some of these games that maybe they didn't have uh, over here in the States. But this was huge uh, back in the day and in, in playing um, playing those types of games like that. So. I'm, I know people are, are probably pretty pumped about that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious to get in and, and see what their thoughts are. Um, yeah, nice, surprising uh, uh, addition and announcement from them on that. So I, we'll see. I'm not sure if they, they, have, they haven't like set a date or anything like that, but it's nice knowing that it is in development. So I'm guessing it's been in development here for a little bit. And, right. uh, and, um, you know, we'll we'll see here within the next couple of years or something like that. Uh, if they if we get some more from it and then they end up dropping it out because we never know how long it's really been developing for. So, I mean, shoot, dude, they could be close to finishing, too. And maybe right. they, I, I can't imagine that if they're announcing it now and they're announcing that it's in development, that it must be on the, you know, further end of uh, of uh, the development cycle, I would guess. Um, and so. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I don't know. Is, is this, did you play, did you play Fiddle Fury at all? You know, very limited. Uh, but I think it's cool that anytime you can bring back a franchise, uh, that's been decades now, uh, you're mm. going to get people excited, right. To, to kind of resurrect a franchise, uh, especially one that I'm sure people have very fond memories of. Uh, so it's nice to see, and it gives you hope that maybe someday some other franchises could come back. <laughs> but no, yeah. excited for everybody who's a Fatal Fury fan. Uh, I, I don't know that uh, I have that personal connection. I don't have that personal connection to the series, but it's still cool. It looks cool. Uh, lovely. Love the look uh, of the of the, the trailer. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, should be a good one. It, it's just nice seeing SNK still doing... Because for me, I, you know, SNK has been around for, for a while and they have some classic titles. So to see them continue moving forward with some of that stuff is always is always fun to see. And then uh, last little piece I wanted to throw down is that DB Fighter Z is going to be coming to PlayStation 5. And um, they will essentially they're going to bring it to all the next generation uh, consoles with uh, rollback netcode. So that was one of my issues with this game. It was rough playing online. Uh, I haven't played it in a while. So I have earlier on, I kind of just fell off it because like every other fighting game, you know, I I end up uh, moving on pretty quickly and people got too good. And I was just like, all right, never mind. (laughs) <laughs> but that this is great i i already have the game so we were actually talking about it beforehand i was like wouldn't that be messed up if they made us pay for it again or it didn't convert over to ps5 so i'm waiting to see what that is because i would love to have it on my ps5 maybe i'll pick it back up and get my butt whooped and put it back down <laughs> 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 Who knows? Cause I don't have like any of the season passes or any of the stuff. So I'm sure they have. That, that's the one thing about fighting games. So, and I, I don't know how I feel about that model because then I feel like it creates this paywall where certain characters, you, you have to pay extra to get these certain characters. And if you, maybe you don't have the money or something like that. Now you are at a disadvantage because you can't even use this new character 
based off of that. So I've always kind of been, mm, I, I don't know how I feel about that in that model. I know that's the model that a lot of them have taken mm-hmm. other things to smash, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everything else that, that is one of my biggest kind of like, uh, I don't know how I feel about it. Cause it's like, and don't get me wrong. Not that I'm saying that they don't deserve extra money for right. the extra work. I'm not saying that at all. It's just the, the fact that, it paywalls some people that may not be able to afford it. And I think right. that then creates kind of an unfair advantage. Um, so I'd love to see something done about that. I don't know me personally. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I, I see that. And, and honestly, it's, it's always been a little bit of a tough pill to swallow for myself. Cause like, it, it feels like then you're like, all right, I'm getting a complete game, but now I know stuff's still coming. So it doesn't even, even mm-hmm. if it's just the addition of characters now I'm like, well, I'm not buying the complete game. And right. uh, now that the trend has been to have like multiple ways of new characters coming in, you know, it's not just like a, a one-time DLC purchase. You know, sometimes it's a multiple season pass purchase, uh, which mm-hmm. can add up like like without really thinking about it. Uh, and and uh, if you are a gamer on a budget, like I think a lot of us are, especially these days, uh, it's it's frustrating, right? Especially because because mm. you've. And I understand that this is just the industry as a whole, but like you buy a game and now the, the expectation is, oh, I have to pay for a ton more content. And it, it feels right. like it cheapens the 60 to $70 you're paying up front, which is not an insignificant amount of money you're getting right away. So right. Uh, it's tough. Like it, it's, I don't know that there's an easy answer one way or the other because developers want to obviously bring in more revenue, but it's, uh, I don't know. There's no easy answer. It, it feels it feels tough on the gamer side. Yeah, for sure. It. I mean, for me, it's like, cause if you look at it, you're looking at for the entirety of the game, everything that you can get character wise upwards of $200. If you're going to do that. And I know that they have their, Oh, you get season one pass, but it's like, yeah, dude, but, but what does that mean? Not, not season one pass. I'm sorry, but you get the, the year one pass. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I'm sorry. I'm going from uh destiny. So You'll get a you'll get a essentially the the year pass or whatever that gives you the the extra DLC drops, which are smaller drops, and then you have to pay for the bigger DLCs. You know, and it's like, all right, man, I get it. There's a lot of work that's gone into it, but like, even still, those little micro like the micro seasons or or whatever that you're also getting to is like, look, man, you guys just keep recycling the same thing. You know, whereas in these types of cases, it's like, look, give me access or uh, like do a discounted rate of what's it going to cost to be able to access every new character that you come out with. And I suppose then that if you do wait, you know, and and you can't afford it at some point in time, they're probably going to come down or have a deal on them or something like that. So you could always wait, you know, but by that time, too, if you're not on it, I feel like right out the jump then you're going to be you're going to get left in the dust and 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 i'm speaking from an average gamer mm-hmm. professional gamers obviously i don't think if that's what they do they're probably up on every every drop that comes out you know instantly getting the new characters practicing working with those new characters and then you know so this is more of an average average gamer standpoint i feel like it, it kind of creates a little bit of an unfair advantage but again i can't think of a better way to model it out either so right. you know and and they're they are putting the work in they do you know they do deserve money uh for that work i just wish it just wasn't kind of like you have to piecemeal it together as you go it's like just give me a complete game that's all we're asking for that's all i want let me pay one price you give me everything that comes with it whether it's right now or it comes you know drops throughout the year you know, I, I don't care. It, it doesn't matter to me. So, yeah, yeah, it's been, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, geez. Yeah, it's interesting <laughs> how the concept of, of what a, a complete game is and what's a shippable game. And, and clearly that's, that's changed. And maybe we're just getting old, Ryan, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I miss, I miss the days when we, it felt like a complete experience and DLC felt like uh, it was valuable, but, but truly extra instead of essential to an experience uh, that you felt like if you didn't get it, you were missing out on something big and kind of core to the experience. And I think that's where I don't like that, that change. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's take a quick commercial break. Fantastic stuff again uh, over for Evo 2022 Excellent experience, great news, great tournament. All know, bravo, loved it. We'll be back on the back end. We're actually talking with Carolyn Moshaw from Interior Night, the CEO and creative director for games such as As Dust Falls. It's a fantastic interview. We'll be right back, guys. If you love listening to us here on Land Parties, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On, and on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team or game, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. And welcome back, everybody. And we are excited to be joined by a very, very special guest on this week's episode. She is the CEO and creative director of Interior Night, the talented studio behind the awesome game As Dusk Falls. Caroline Marshall is joining us. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for joining us. First of all, congratulations. Uh, I, I'm sure launch has been just this this crazy time for everybody. But now that the game's out in the wild and, and you're starting to get that kind of feedback, what has the last couple of weeks been like for you guys? I mean, it's been amazing at several levels. Like first, seeing people enjoying the game on the streams been crazy because... Like the last game I released, like there was no such thing. So seeing people live playing the game was awesome. Uh, and then I was uh, amazed by the reviews. I wasn't like, to be really honest, like I wasn't super sure of the core press reception uh, mm -hmm. because our game is so different at so many levels and seeing them embracing it and understanding what we were trying to make and enjoying it was fantastic. That's awesome. You know, if, if I can go back to the, the beginning of development here, I'd, I'd seen you say before uh, that coming into this project, it was kind of a now or never moment uh, to make this game a reality. Why was that true? And if, if you hadn't, like if you had done a different project, was, was this game really something that we might not have ever seen uh, come to fruition? It's hard to answer that because it was so... Um... I had to make this game. So I, I founded the studio to make this game because I was strongly believing in it as I've seen, you know, we had a really small prototype. I've seen people enjoying it, like being sucked into the story with super approachable mechanic, like having anyone being able to jump in and, and, um, and play was like so powerful of a concept that I thought, okay, I'm going to try this. If it doesn't work in a year, I'll, I'll find another job. It's okay. I'm gonna. I had no idea what it meant really to start a studio, but I'm really glad I did. It was like, yeah, that now or never moment. Yeah, I, I totally, you know, and and it seems like too, you can feel, you can really feel uh, the love in this game and and everything that went into this. I remember, um, I, I think it was uh, Game Fest that uh, Summer Game Fest that I first saw 
th- this game and it absolutely like instantly it struck me number one it kind of reminded me with the with the art style it reminded me of um of a scanner darkly and i love yeah. i absolutely love that movie <laughs> so seeing that instantly i was just like oh you know what's what's this all about um but then diving in and actually playing the game i went in i didn't have an idea i just knew that it was a narrative game but going in and and something that you you touched upon just a second ago uh having it to where there's up to eight player co-op or and this is a big one for me the twitch interactivity i had no idea that was going to be a part of this game and that was so much fun to be able to stream and to participate in and watch this story unfold uh with my community the community is the one that, that was making um the choices and then i was trying not to get sucked into the story i was literally missing skill checks on on the quick actions because i was just sitting there watching the story <laughs> seeing what was going on um I, I guess, you know, where was it that, that you saw that, that you guys, as you guys were developing this game, especially, you know, you're fleshing out there, there's amazing uh, story, characters, uh, location, everything. And where within that process did you guys come up with, you know what, let's make this interactive. Let's make this stand out. Cause you guys could have easily just stuck with a, a linear uh, narrative game, but to go in a different directions and to be able to have that interactivity, I feel like it's just absolutely huge. It was like part of the, the, the multiplayer was part mm-hmm. of the concept from the ground up, but it was the initial, one of the initial pillars of um, the game design. Because, you know, like stories are universal. And when you share a story with people you love or your community, it just makes it even deeper and such an insightful experience because you learn about people you play with. You know, sometimes you get surprises. Oh, you really would do that? Uh, and I thought that, <laughs> that, that's only something games can offer. You know, you watch a great show. Cool. The, the show is great, but you, you don't get to shape the story and the character's fate, which is, I think, like the the power of this story of As Dust Falls, because you've got so many branches, so many possibilities, and it, it gives you great re- replayability. But more than that, mm-hmm. it allows you as a player to really like shape the journey and 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 get a compelling experience because it's your agency, it's your decision. And in every decision, you put a bit of yourself, like whether you want it or not, because you make it on behalf of the characters, there's a bit of you in it. And what I love with multiplayer is that, you know, when you play local or online or a mix, you see everyone's cursors moving mm-hmm. towards this or that choice. It's like you see mm-hmm. every every thought process of the players uh, playing with you. And I thought that's really fun. And on Twitch, that was, that was part of, of the concept, like from the beginning as well, because it's such... A natural extension of the design. You know, you can play one to eight. Why not one to ten hundred, ten thousand? Uh, it's the same mechanic of decision making. And on Twitch, you see this kind of hive mind putting messages in the chat <laughs> and then voting, and it's so great. I love it. When you have a story that that can branch out to to multiple different conclusions for for some of the characters there, do you start with like a storyline and kind of branch out from there? Do you have the endings pre-planned or is that something that kind of comes up as you're progressing, uh, writing and working on the game that other endings become more obvious to you guys as you go along? Yeah, that's a good question. We, we actually start with uh, the narrative design. So the narrative space, you know, how many endings, how many for each character, each character has multiple arcs. So we pose a question, for example, will Vince be able to stand for himself and uh, be fulfilled in his life. And there are multiple ways for him to do that. Um, but because player agency is like really central to the writing process and the narrative design, like it's um, like we really start with, you know, the tentpole choices, the big choices you will remember per chapter. And then we weave in the smaller decisions that might be about, you know, should your daughter skip a school, um, a year in, in school, uh, or should you stay married with your wife? All these smaller decisions that are not part of the bigger plot um, mm-hmm. 
that's got to do with the hostage situation. There are there are as important because people do remember them and relate to them as well because they're based on real life. So to answer your your question, that we think all the possibilities from the start. We really design. We designed the tree even before writing. We designed the story tree. What you see at the end is what we designed from the beginning. That is, yeah, that's, man, that's wild to think because it is hard to just so many, like as you're going through the, the tree at the end, you're just like, there are so many possibilities that I've missed. You know, it's like I have to go back. And and that's the thing, too, about this is as you go back and, and play through again, you start picking up all these different nuggets because you've made a different choice. And, you know, something like this. And, and I always equate it to those choose your own adventure games or not games, but the choose your own adventure books is what it reminds me of. And I absolutely love those uh, types of types of games. I, I've got to ask with this, especially it feels like uh, there's definitely a, a personal touch for you uh, to make this game. What about the story and the narrative that you guys came up with? Was that also pulled from from personal experiences or was that just what did that process look like, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, it started like with us wanting really to offer like compelling, mature story grounded in real life. Because mm -hmm. I think like it's not something that's often offered in video games, uh, you know. So there's like no zombies, no magic spells, right. no robots, nothing like that. It's really about real people. And of course, I drew from I drew from my personal experience. You know, uh, the walkers are starting over; they're moving uh, states. I move country with my family from France to the UK. Uh, you know, it's those relatable real life situations. Of course, because it's a game, we've got the hostage situation, so it gets a bit more intense than in real life. <laughs> but uh, hopefully, for most of us, uh, but, uh, <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed. But you know, all these like smaller stakes and relationships and um, our decisions are really here to ground the story and to make sure, you know, even if it's not something that happened to you directly, maybe you know someone that has encountered this type of situations and instantly it draws you in and you're not playing this game like a game. You're playing it as you would make your decisions in real life, trying to make the best decision for the characters. You know, we've seen in, in some other projects that, that have had the, the multiple ending path there, that there's some uh, like, like bad endings, I guess you could say, <laughs> or, or, or less than ideal endings. Why was it important for, for this story not to, to, to go down that route? Why was this important that like no matter what ending uh, players kind of led their characters to, that it felt natural for that playthrough rather than having the, the quote, good and bad endings? Yeah, it's been really important for us to do that. I think it comes from, so of course there's like happier and darker endings, but as long as they feel satisfying, I think we're fine because life is made of bit, like, so many ranges of bittersweet. Right. You've got, it's very rare that it's 100% happy or 100% sad. So I think we wrote like older characters from a place of empathy and we're trying not to pass any judgment of, on them, but really writing from the multiplayer perspective, like trying to offer everyone who's going to play this game like valid options as decisions. Um, and, and, you know, there's multiple characters as well. So I think every player relates differently to all to this wide cast and they have their favorite people they can feel closer to. So that that's that was really part and parcel of how we thought about and how we wrote the story. And I think that's why in the end, there's no like, oh, that's the better ending. Right. That's the ending you're happy with. Great. But there's no golden pathway. Right. And I, I think that's something that's important, too, is just how relatable these characters were. I did find myself being like, oh, you know, nah, man, Dale, what, what do you want, man? You you are tripping. And, you know, just just all the characters very much from a standpoint. And, and there was that sort of uh, realism to it. And, and like you're saying, the decisions, some of the decisions may not seem very consequential. But then when you when you get down the road and you see that, oh, my gosh, because I did that this later on is happening like what have i done <laughs> it, it was so much fun to be able to uh do I, i've got to ask 
now with the and like i said the the art style for me was was very very distinctive um the acting in it was absolutely fabulous and then the music what did that look like uh you know putting those elements together finding the right people to bring these stories to life once you guys had that all laid out yeah it's it's been a process (laughs) 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 well i mean like initially for us it was regarding the visual presentation we wanted to be cinematic you know it was important that the story could flow and it wasn't just like uh, you know um still images with you know not a dynamic camera so it's edited like a very very long movie and whichever branch it flows uh, so that's 100% kudos to our cinematic team like they've done an incredible job considering how modular the story is and when you play you don't realize you, you could be like a linear linear story very long story but so we had that in mind. And then regarding the visual style, like we really thought that, you know, this story is about characters. It's a character-centric story. So we need nuanced expressions, um, strong character moments. And that was allowed by not going, you know, the usual 3D route, but like looking at the actors we got with that, like fitting, wonderful conflicted expressions on their face and when you look at them you don't think about pixels you see like a painting and with mm-hmm. really faces so the faces were so important we thought okay let, let's experiment with that and each frame is painted manually by our 2d artists wow. and, you know we've got like fifteen thousand unique frames in the game it's a huge <laughs> endeavor to, like, <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit crazy honestly but yeah, so we, we chose that, okay, what, what artistic direction can allow us to tell this story, this human story? And we came up with that style. I love it. You know, part of what I love about this project is, is I get like vibes from some of the, the great crime shows and other mediums. Like, like it immediately makes me think of like a Fargo, maybe even a little bit of like True Detective that kind of plays on the effects of these events through, through people, uh, well beyond the, the what the event actually happens there. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the influences of those and, and how you kind of capture that that spirit of, of what other mediums bring into the genre that you were able to do so well in, in uh, the game? I'm glad you mentioned Fargo and True Detective. Like, I love those shows. I really love them. <laughs> like, and Fargo is like a direct like, inspiration. Um, same with Breaking Bad. You know, it's, it's like this really... You know, you got high stakes because As Dust Falls is a crime drama, but you also have really deep characters um, with their own struggles and their, their own arcs. So that was, I thought that was the best genre. It's a genre I love, like crime dramas I really love. Um, and, and I thought I want to play this type of storylines. And yeah, we took our inspirations from these shows, uh, but also there's a film like I, I really want to mention, which is called Dog Day Afternoon from the 70s with Al Pacino. Um, mm. I don't know if you've seen it. If you haven't, please do. It's a great, it's a great movie. Is is uh, making um, a bank robbery that goes really really wrong. It's inspired from a true story, and uh, mm. that's like a wonderful setup. To, like it's a pressure cooker setup, which we have. Uh, in book one, really, in As the Falls, where it's all about these two families, like stuck in the motel in the middle of the desert, with outside the pressure of the cops coming in, and you don't know who to trust at the end, and who's gonna help you survive and protect your family. Um, so yeah, that was. These shows are big inspirations. We also have like obviously our own take on it, but I think it's mm-hmm. it's very. It's not the type of storylines you're used to play. And I thought that was interesting because that's relatable. And people who are gamers will obviously love it because like you've got like a lot of agency and the story is quite deep. But people who are not gamers and don't think they want to come near any anywhere near a controller with like 18 buttons and they find it really intimidating. They can enjoy the story because it's a story. And the, the first and foremost, and the mechanics are so lean on purpose that they don't get in a way, um, in the way of the emotional connection with the characters. That was like super important. You know, if you if you want, you can get your mom play with you. She'll get it in two minutes. She will have her phone 
with the app, just, you know, use the phone as a controller and then just be immersed in the story. We've seen it work, like our art director brought his 80-year-old mom to play with us and, you know, she saved the dog. She was like not even looking at the phone, just making decisions. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, you're you're right. Anybody literally could pick it up and play. And like I like I was saying, I was literally missing actions because I was <laughs> so into the story. I forgot that I actually had to still do things. So that was. Well, <laughs> I'm sure the chat wasn't happy with you. Yeah, no, no, no. They they definitely uh, got angry with me a little bit uh, here and there. If somebody would hit their skill checks, maybe the story would be going a different way. But regardless, it was still a lot of fun. They're excited to play, uh, do another playthrough of the game as as I am as well. You're a veteran in the industry, um, and you've been doing and, and working in the industry for 20 plus years. I want to know how much of just your experience and your past experience on games that you've uh, worked on, how much of an influence did that have uh, coming into this game and into this development and even uh, into creating creating your studio? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, 20 plus years, I'm old. Uh, but I've always, <laughs> <laughs> always worked... <laughs> always work on narrative games you know so they're like this i've got a deep love for that genre because i think mm-hmm. it's the most universal and it's the the one with the most um potential to bring more people into games because stories are you know they are hardwired into our brains so anybody get everybody gets stories um but what i took you know, I've had like, I was lead game designer, etc. So I've got like a lot of experience with narrative design and branching. So I took that but, uh, from my, my past experience on Heavy Rain and Beyond and Indigo Prophecy. But um, what I took with me as well is that, and it's something like kudos to Quantic Dream, like it's that um, uncompromising creative vision, you know, the will to push boundaries, not being afraid like to offer something different and not settle for, um, you know, not wanting to trade the same path all the time. And starting a new studio, it was super important for me to explore new alleyways, like for the genre, the narrative genre to expand into. And one of the big thing for me was multiplayer. Because like mm-hmm. I was an anecdote, like on Heavy Rain, we had people emailing saying, oh, my girlfriend played the game. But um, she 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 got everybody dead at the end because she can't figure out the quick time of it. It's great she plays, but I'd rather she has you know the the ending she wishes for, and not that because she can't press a button quick enough. So, uh, but also like loads of people saying, oh, when I play uh, a story game, my partner or my friends come and watch, which is again mm-hmm. it's great and they discuss things. But it's an entirely different dimension when everybody contributes decision and that you level the playing field. It's not about your thumbs. It's about, you know, your guts and your heart uh, more than your, your gamer skills, really. And then it becomes really interesting because you, you, you have this unique experience with people you play with. It's like going rafting together. It's something that you don't do often. And it's such a cool insightful experience with thrills and quieter moments where you can debate more quietly so yeah that that's that was really where i wanted to push and try and push the genre i thought there was a lot of there is a lot of potential in these type of experiences yeah i couldn't agree more i, I think you know especially even if you look in the past decade through games like heavy rain uh we've seen storytelling uh do some some pretty interesting things in in gaming which which is always nice to see what's the next like frontier like where where would you like to see storytelling evolve in gaming and and when you come off a project like this what's that next challenge like if if this was a now or never moment for this project what's going to get those creative juices flowing again yeah that's a good question i need holidays first <laughs> number one. Get that recharge, yeah. Yeah, recharge 100 percent Now I think that for me, for Internet Night, like well, we're gonna keep telling stories, but interactive stories, right? We're we're a team of storytellers and just so passionate about the genre. Um where I wanna keep pushing the boundaries is probably around the multiplayer and the type of stories you can tell. Like I think multiplayer is really untapped and there's loads of potentials. And, you know, my dream is that people 
can play, don't need a console to play or PC to play ideally. So we'll see mm -hmm. where we can expand those type of experiences. But yeah, it's a bit early to tell, but mm -hmm. yeah, we'll keep, we'll keep trying to push. Well, and, and let me ask you real quick, you know, this came out, uh, Microsoft, it was, it was on Game Pass. What did that, I mean, especially being a studio, you had a number of avenues to be able to uh, push the game out either through other other studios uh, or, or uh, I'm sorry, distributors, or um, you could have done it independently. Um, what was it with Microsoft and, and just kind of collaborating and working with them uh, to be able to get the game out there? Yeah, I think it, it came, like, I remember we had a, a meeting with Microsoft and it was just like instant understanding of the creative vision. And for me, the key reason we went with them was um, xCloud because mm -hmm. then people can enjoy the game without, was always what I was just saying, you know, without having a console or a PC. Um, so that makes it instantly super democratic. Um, and then Game Pass is another great reason because it allows the game to be seen and tried by people who would have thought initially, no, I'm not going to buy this. It's not my type of game. Mm -hmm. But once they see it on Game Pass, they're like, yeah, I'll give it a try. And then you can just, uh, you know, get them hooked. So that's, <laughs> these were great opportunities. And then from, you know, having our first game, coming out first party with such a big player was awesome because we, we get first class support, first of all, you know, whether it's marketing, user testing, uh, localization, we're localized in like 22 languages with voice dubbing in 11 languages. Like it's, wow. it's great. All the, the push for accessibility that we did where you got speech to text, um, text to speech, like all these parameters like were really helped and pushed by Microsoft as well. So it was like this big opportunity to make, you know, a first impression with like our best, the best chances the best partner on our side yeah absolutely and i love the fact too that it now is something that uh we hadn't touched on just the accessibility of the game literally you guys have made it so everybody can play it you've made it accessible right. to people you know you don't even have to have a console or a pc you could use your phone i mean it, it seems like you guys really have touched and checked all the boxes on making this game and again i'm i am one i'm a huge fan i absolutely loved it I, i'm excited to play it again and 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 do some more run-throughs uh of the game so I'm, I'm just like when lucas said that you're gonna be on i was like no way i was like i'm so pumped <laughs> I was like i can't wait to tell how much i love it <laughs> it's if I can jump in real quick, was there was there a, a stretch of the story or, or maybe certain characters that was most difficult or most challenging for you to, to get the pieces to fit right? Um, I think um, the Holtz were the most difficult to get right because, I mean, I love them. Like, I've been with these characters for years, so I love them all. I'm not objective at all. But um, <laughs> initially... You know, it was it was really making sure that players don't see them as the bad guys. You want them to see them as the bad guys initially, but then as as you progress in the story, you understand like first of all that they're, like, they're more desperate than anything else. They're trying mm -hmm. they're trying to do their best for their family too. And I, I think at the beginning they were written a bit harsher, and so we did some work to make sure you know that you get to understand a bit better why they were doing this and and show each other a bit more love and support so that like people can like players can get on board with that and be like oh okay yeah i understand where they're coming from even they even if they they find you know sometimes radical means to solve their problems i understand why they why they're doing it and I think, you know, uh, what's also great is, is the discussions that can happen after choices are made on, on, on this kind of, like, like you were mentioning, debating uh, why, you know, people think the way they do. Uh, among the staff, like if they were, if you guys were to do a, a playthrough together there, what's, what's one of those sections that you think that would cause the most 
division <laughs> there or, or the, the ones that you guys would disagree on most? In the team? Like, yes. It's, it's, yep. it's funny because it can be really small things like stealing the money from the wallet um, when you're um, intruding in, the, in Dante's house at the beginning. Like, I'm like, I can never do it. I'm like, no, like, that doesn't make any sense. It's $40. Like, it's not worth it. Plus, Jay would never do that. And the rest, like, other people in the team, like, were like, no, absolutely. We should take it. So it can be on. And I'm like, well, what are you people? But no, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But it can be on these small things uh, like that. Like, sometimes you get surprised by, you know, very big decisions. People kind of argue, you know, resonate and resonate together and find an agreement. But then on the smaller stuff that are more like expressing expressing character, you can get really heated. I thought that was very funny. I think that the team, you know, the, we had some kind of non competition, but like always, like people were like sharing which character they preferred within the team. Like you like Delmore or Tyler or Jay or. Uh, or Zoe, it was it was funny. And if I could take you on on a little bit of a, a side path here, uh, I, I read that that Tomb Raider and Metal Gear Solid were kind of two of the the games that that uh, when you experienced them, kind of changed your view on on gaming. There, uh, can you talk about what you saw in those? And and obviously MGS is known for its pretty crazy uh, storylines and and whatnot that they put in there. Uh, if you if you could ever, you know, if they brought MGS back somehow, is that a franchise that you would love to get your hands on? Of course, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll make a confession. I'll make a confession. I love Metal Gear, maybe not for the reason you think. Is that okay? I, I, I think it's a very complex story, and so I'm completely lost in the plot, to be honest. Mm -hmm. What I love about Metal Gear is the design brilliance it has. Like I mentioned, um, you know, in the first one, which is the first game I completed by myself alone. Mm. Um, in the first one, um, the psychomantis, the, the, the fight with psychomantis, where you have to switch your memory card to the other slot so that it doesn't yeah. see you coming, right? I thought <laughs> that was such a brilliant um, design that I, I, I was honestly blown away. And in every like in every sequel there's two or three brilliant moments like that uh, i just think you know i'm like oh yeah this is the medium like, this is it like it's it's the best because you get this interaction between the player and the game this dance you do as a designer you're like i want you to do that what about if you're being creative uh, it, it's just such a brilliant medium like it, it's artistic it's technical it's interactive uh, i thought i, I want to work there. I want to do something. I had no idea what the game designer was at the time, but yeah, it showed me like it's properly like its own medium, it's art. Let me ask very quickly have you had any thoughts about dipping into and and developing something in VR and utilizing some of that technology? So I've done a bit of VR back at Sony. So I've experienced with it. I think it's it's my main takeaway is that it's extremely powerful. Like once you're in the world like that, it's like, I, I don't think it's matched by anything else in terms of immersion and power it gets on you. So I think you have to be, you know, designing carefully, uh, but also using that, that power, you know, but like being responsible with it. Um, but I, I, I don't know in the future, like, you know, everything's open. I think it's a, it's a powerful, Again, it's a powerful medium on its own, but it's very different than what we're making right now, which is like cinematic storytelling. With, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not to say that VR is not cinematic, but it's more about presence. Mm -hmm. So where you step, like your you step into a world, which is super interesting. But when I experienced with it back in 2015, 16, mm -hmm. we were, the tech wasn't that mature. Right. So I think it needs to mature, even still right now, I think it could needs to mature a bit more to become like really broad because you still mm -hmm. have the headsets and that's pretty heavy, heavy et cetera. Mm -hmm. But it's very interesting. It's got a lot of potential. So I'm not saying never. I, I, find, I find it really interesting. Absolutely. 
Carolyn, again, thank you so much, guys. Check out As Dust Falls. You will absolutely love it. We appreciate you being on. Uh, again, where can people find out uh, more information about you and what you guys have going on? So you can um, you can buy As Dust Falls on uh, Steam Plate on Game Pass as well. It's also on the Windows Store. You can play on Twitch, obviously, with your community. Uh, and you can find, like, we, we've got a website, Interior Night. Uh, there's a website and a Twitch uh, handle for the game as well as the sports game. Uh, so come and pay us a visit. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, again, we'll be uh, uh, right back, y'all. Thanks again for spending time with us. Uh, I thought that was a fascinating interview, kind of a, a really good glimpse into uh, how a studio works that's, that's pushing the boundaries from a narrative perspective. Uh, Ryan, I know that that you completed your first playthrough of As Dusk Falls, uh, and it's it seems like such a unique experience, uh, even as we've seen more and more games kind of do that choose your own adventure for lack of a better way of putting it. It really seems like this one's standing out uh, in that genre there. Ryan, how was your experience with that first playthrough? Oh, dude, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. And I think the biggest thing, one of my biggest take to, takeaways uh, from Carolyn was that from the jump off, they built that game with multiplayer in mind. And I don't think you get a lot of that from narrative games, those choose your own story type of uh, uh, games. So mm -hmm. I thought that was amazing because I wasn't anticipating that at all. Then with the Twitch integration, I mean, I, this was literally playing a story out uh, with my community and it was so much fun. Now I'm missing skill checks and <laughs> making an answer. That's all we got to do another playthrough again. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely brilliant what they've done. I, I love the artwork. Like I said, the voice acting is amazing the uh or i should just say the acting is amazing mm -hmm. um the the music is fantastic the scenery everything about it is just a really relatable story the characters that you you interact with um are you know i i know people like those characters so you know what i'm saying it's like i feel like most people know people like the characters so very again i cannot recommend if you get a chance play as dust falls it's on game pass right now so if you have game pass you have the ability to play it. you could play local uh multiplayer sitting there couch co-oping or up to eight players by the way and you could do a combination of that and online people like they really they did a great the accessibility options uh mm -hmm. within the game as well they hit every check mark when it comes to building out a solid game i've got nothing but great things to say about as does falls and and what uh, carolyn and her team have done and and can we can i just say obviously the this, this is one of those prime examples of how valuable game pass can be to shine a mm -hmm. light on a game that that maybe a lot of us would kind of skip over or go eh, maybe one day but now you, you don't have a, an excuse to not play it if you're a game pass member and uh like that that right there if, if you're looking for those arguments for game pass and services like it to shine a light on a lot of these titles that might not get the light shine shown on them uh, i think is 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 insanely valuable to these companies absolutely caroline again thank you so much for for coming on and being a part of the show lucas what do you got going on this weekend my friend not too much we okay so now that things have kind of settled down personally we are ready to dive into stray like just take the, nice. full, the full dive into being a cat uh and, yes. and it seems like a good way to relax hopefully <laughs> hopefully i'm not <laughs> misreading this game terribly and there's like a twist in there <laughs> uh, but uh yeah other than that not much i do want to say before we say goodbye ryan uh we did just hear on Sunday evening that thanks to all of you, uh, we are a finalist at the podcast awards in the games and hobbies category. And that was fully voted on uh, by people. So uh, thank you to everyone who thank voted. You. The award ceremony is September 30th to be on international podcast day. So we have a little bit of wait to find out if we win, but honestly uh, it already feels immensely satisfying uh just to know that people out there are listening and supporting us uh we never take that for granted and just thank you 
Ryan, yes. what about you? I, you know, I don't. I, I think I'm keeping it pretty chill this weekend. I'm not 100% sure. I don't think we have anything really going on. The girls just started school this mm-hmm. week. Today is their first day of school. My youngest daughter, her birthday is here uh, tomorrow of this recording. So she's going to be one, uh, which is absolutely bonkers to me. I cannot even believe it's already been a year. But my niece, uh, luckily, is actually staying over here for the week to help out to help me out with baby so I can work and because we're looking to get her into daycare and stuff. So we've been, you know, kind of shifting gears from that summer mode into, all right, we got to be people. Although we are talking about here in a couple of weeks uh, doing a, a, a stay at like a cabin or something uh, just so we can get one last hoorah in because uh, my niece is actually uh, uh, moving but um, yeah, yeah, I, I think just keeping it, keeping it chill. Hopefully my body recovers uh, throughout the week. It's so ridiculous and it hurts so bad, but <laughs> that that's everything. I need to get out and start being a person again. That's what that tells me. I got a little yard set. I got a little yard set with, uh, with badminton and scoop balls and, and, and uh, uh, horseshoes. So I'm going to, you know, set that up and, and hopefully we can start getting some of that stuff in and, and getting more active and whatnot. So we shall I'll see my friend. Thank you guys so much though for listening again. Uh, as always, you can find us over on the tweeters at Lamb Parties at Lucas Hagen or at Smitty2447. We hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week. And you know what it is. We love your faces.